And a happy Monday to you. Welcome on in to lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura, and also sponsored by the HomeLoanExpert.com. I'm Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne. Klaibs, a lot of Cardinal baseball to get to, and uh, you were on the call for all the games this weekend, so you uh, you had a better view than anybody else of the action. Well, yeah, I like some of it, and then there was some el- other elements uh, I didn't like, and then there's another element I was concerned about. But uh, you, you can't lose two out of three against the Chicago Cubs. And, and when I look at the Cubs, I said to myself, okay, who on this team could, could play on the Cardinals? And there's only one guy that I saw over the weekend, and I don't even have a position for him, and that's Nico Horner. You know, probably Wilson Contreras because our catching situation yeah. is a little shaky right now with youth and just Andrew Kisner is not as effective as I think he want to be. But, you know, when you look at the rest of the team, you say to yourself, well, how, how'd you lose two out of three against these guys? Uh, but you did, and you got to learn from it, And but you still have some other issues to address internally. And it, and it won't get any easier because the Miami Marlins are not the Miami Marlins of old. They, they have pretty good pitching they're going to throw at the Cardinals this week. And if they can swing the bat just a hair, then we're going to have some problems. Yeah. Rammer and I, when we do daily cards live, as, as the season has gone on, you look, you know, you take the wins with the losses. No team's ever going to go 162 and 0. And what was it? Was it Whitey? Or who was it that said you go 50 and 50 and then it's how you do in the other 62 games? Who That's was, true. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you can't get down with uh, every loss. You can't get too high with every win. But I really do think that yesterday's loss. I think that replaces the loss to the Mets earlier this year as the worst loss of the season for the Cardinals. I would agree. I I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, As quickly as you scored five runs, you gave them up just as quick. And you had opportunities after that. The one thing the Cardinals have had a struggle with is they score a bunch of runs early, and after that they don't have anything else left. And and that's the unfortunate thing about – they don't have the consistency that you like to have. And, and as you touch on, you're not going to be the same way every day. But, man, it becomes glaring in some cases because, remember, they weren't facing an ace. They didn't – you know, Chicago Cubs didn't run out of anybody that the Cardinals shouldn't have been able to hit. And their bullpen is one of the worst in baseball. And their bullpen all of a sudden started pitching lights out. And, and that was a big concern, that, that you're being stymied by some journeymen in, in some cases, in some other guys who are probably better off in AAA. And and you don't even have the excuse there of saying like, oh, well, you know, Jack Flaherty went out and the team got down because Jack Flaherty went out and then they hit three home runs. Yeah. <laughs> they Three out of four guys hit home runs. So it was after that. It was after you saw the relief, uh, the bullpen come in. You saw Whitgren come in and you go, OK, you know, I guess he's our pitcher now. And you go out and you give him some run support. And then quickly just gives it back away. And it comes down to the fact that this is a team that that is they're running out of arms. And it was the same thing as last year that they had to go find people off of a scrap heap on from other teams that they didn't they didn't want them anymore. Make a trade that you didn't know that you needed to make or a name you didn't expect to have on the Cardinals. And that's that's kind of the position they're in this year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and here's where I think you have to this is where you have to make a deal. You know, when you go back to spring training and the, the battle cry was it's 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 about going to the World Series. It's not making postseason. Postseason is easier to make if you're the Cardinals. 
but you want to be able to get out of the first round. You want to get out of the second round. You want to be in the World Series. You don't have the you don't have the horses pitching wise to get out of the first round. Mm -hmm. You may not have the horses to, to get the wild card. Okay, because there are going to be some teams that are going to try and that are going to making some hay right now too. So that wild card spot might go to another team in another division. I mean, you think about Atlanta. You think about some teams in the uh, in the East, and then you think about the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants. I mean, you know, you might be without a chair. And even if you do get in the playoffs, you don't have enough pitching. It's already been proven. And if you're waiting on Jack Flaherty, you, you can't pin your hopes on a person who's having shoulder issues, and you can't pin them on, on Stephen Matz, who's on the injured list right now and hopefully will get back sooner than later. And then it comes down to Andre Pallante, who was on no one's radar at the beginning of the year. Uh, a 40-year-old Adam Wainwright, who's been okay, not as good as he was last year. Miles Michaelis has been terrific, and Dakota Hudson is not as good as I think he was three weeks ago. Yeah. So you got some real issues. And some would say, well, you know, you got time. No, you don't. You're only racing with Milwaukee right now, okay? And your game out, and Milwaukee can't find any offense. So it's really there for you for the taking. And I just don't think you can be idle here. I think you have to probably be proactive. And you probably ought to be looking for a legitimate uh, top of the order, top of the rotation guy. Now, who that is, I don't know. And I'll, I'll roll that out to you. Who do you think? And we're probably looking at a bad team that has a top end guy that you think can help your team. And well, don't, first, tell me, yeah. don't tell me, don't tell me, um, uh, Madison Bumgarner. You no, well, anybody with him? Yeah, you. That I mean, that's a name that that we have talked about before, and that's you know one that you have you know we've both talked about the fact that probably doesn't want to be in Arizona. You know what? I think you look at a team like Oakland who has already had so many, uh, so has already had such a big fire sale prior to the year. They are playing exactly the way you expected them to play this year. 25 and 49 record on the year is, I mean, what do you have to give up for a guy like Montas? Probably. I probably give him a single a double a and triple a prospect prospect. Is there anybody on this roster you'd like to give him? And that's where no, but I mean, if think he, about if the 20, comes the here, 26 though, man roster. Is yeah. anybody on 26 man roster you'd be willing to park company with? <sighs> now, remember, he's got to be either under control or right. has very little salary coming back. And how do you, I mean, I guess, how do you look at your outfield then? Your, which is crowded right now. You got guys that can play other places, you have the DH for that. Is there a current outfielder on your team right now that you move? Is it a Newt Bar? Is is Yepes anything for Newt Bar? Is Yepes that high up on your list for a guy in your future that you would be unwilling to part with him this year? I think he is. I think he is. Bader. The issue with Bader, he's already in arbitration. He's got one year to go, and then a, he's a free agent. So you don't want to get caught up into that, right? So those are the names. I don't. I think Dylan Carlson's untouchable uh, for now. Yeah. I think Tyler O'Neill. 
I don't arbitration know what, eligible, yeah. about to be a free agent after next year. To, you know, you got Injured one year control. Yeah, and the injury thing is going to be a red flag. So I, I think that's kind of what you look at there. I mean, does Nupar fall into that triple A prospect, you know, talk that you were you were mentioning? Well, here's another question for you. We don't even know if Oakland's looking for an outfielder. True. You know, I think that's something we have to take into account also. I mean, where, let's where face does- it. Oakland is not a team any of us follow with any real conviction. No. So other than covering a player or two off their team, nobody can tell you what they have in the organization. We don't right. know what they were able to acquire from some of their previous trades. So that's one of those things where we're trying to juice juice up the pot with what we think they would like. And we don't even know if they had we don't even know if they like that sort of player. You know, if they if they're already set that position for their future. Yeah. It was last year, right around this time, June 18th of last year was when the Cardinals signed Wade LeBlanc uh, after he was let go by by Baltimore last year. And that kind of then rolled into LeBlanc. And then you got McFarlane and Garcia and then Happ and then Lester. So that it, it all kind of started right around this time. And the Cardinals were far worse off last year than they are this year. So if you're wondering when... Mo and Gersh will start to look at some of the names out there and start to look at that. I mean, you're you're in that window right now of when when they felt like it was time during last season. And I'm sure they've already looked. Um, yeah. One thing about Mo and Gersh, I mean, they are forethinkers with regard to knowing what's out there. Um, you know, the, the thing that's really bitten them is that the um, – the two guys they signed the offseason haven't been effective. Verhagen and uh Whitgren. Yeah, no, not Whitgren, the other guy that they had up early. It just Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. Those two guys haven't been able to contribute at all. And that's where I think they thought they were gonna strike lightning in a bottle. Both of them had big league experience. Um, and the Cardinals have been okay in signing players from the Far East. Uh, well, the one that's really worked out has been obviously Michaelis. You know, you got a little out of O, you got something out of Kim, and and they were effective for the roles that they serve. But you're at a point now where you're going to have to move in another direction and go get a legitimate guy. And and that guy is probably a pitcher that has a year of control, or maybe he's a free agent, uh, a guy that you know that team isn't going to be able to sign because he's going to cost a lot of money. So you have to decide, is this a guy that we want to re-sign? Or, or are we renting? And the reason why I bring it up in that manner is that's going to depend on what kind of trade pieces you put in the deal. Mm. If you're renting you meant- a guy, you're not going to put that much in. If you think he's a guy for your future, then maybe you sweeten the pot. You uh, you mentioned Whitgren and Brooks or Verhagen and Brooks not really contributing. You know, we it was such a weird offseason with the lockout and with a late spring training. I'm trying to think just off the top of my head. Is there a free agent who switched teams that is absolutely just excelling for their team no, this season right now? I don't think so. I, I no, mean, nobody I, jumps out at me. That's no, just that, that way. And that's that's what I've, I was sitting here trying to think about that too. Like if you were talking about a free agent who changed teams this year in all of baseball, who would be that top guy? Right now, because we know the troubles with the shortstops that were all over baseball that Cardinal fans wanted the car wanted uh, Mo to go after that they all went elsewhere. Simeon, Seeger, uh, Story, they all went other places. Baez, I haven't heard much about him up in Detroit. Those guys all go to new teams, and 
they didn't do a whole lot. And it's funny you bring it up in that manner. I'm trying to think of one of those teams that's even in playoff contention right now. Detroit's Boston not. is Boston. Boston is on I the mean, fringe. Yeah. Minnesota is probably a contender, but their guys hurt. Um, Texas is out. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, the yeah, other one. Yeah, that's I mean, the one so, missed. you know, I, I just – I don't know if it really helped. Right. And that's I, – I think it goes to kind of the offseason of – Play, I don't want to say they weren't accountable, but they weren't with their teams. They weren't, you know, they reported late like everybody else. They might not have known where they were going ahead of time. And maybe guys just aren't settled in. It, and it's one of those things that you kind of look around and, yeah, the Cardinals should have gotten more arms this offseason. I think you could say that every offseason for every team, they could go out and get more arms, but there was nobody there that would have made a difference. Well, but you know what? They did go out and get some arms. That's that's the thing. You know, when we went into spring training, <laughs> We had a bunch of arms, and we said, I, I know I said, man, Memphis is going to be pretty good. They're going to have some pretty good pitchers that we won't be able to use. And, you know, I thought, you know, gosh, you felt like Flaherty was going to be back earlier. You had Hicks available, you know, Wayno, you had Miles Michaelis, you had Dakota Hudson, you had Verhagen, you had Brooks, all guys with starting experience with the exception of, of, of Hicks. And then Palante pitches well in spring training. You throw him in the mix, you say, oh, he'll be great in the bullpen. And you turn around, and now here we are putting out a help want to sign for legitimate yeah. pitching. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to uh, they're gonna debut a new guy tonight on the uh, A guy, the by roster. the way, I've never heard of. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I mean, but that's what they're going out and what they're having to do right now. The guy that they are going to be calling up tonight – uh, I don't think I haven't seen the press release come across just yet. James Nail N A I L E is his uh, is his name. A relief pitcher from down in Memphis. He's not on the forty man, which means the team is going to have to make some kind of move to get them down to thirty nine guys to be able to put him on the forty man. And that also means, I guess, Flaherty's going on the IL. I would think, I would think, um, and you know, the other thing that they may have been caught up, you know, because as you mentioned, he's not on the injured list. That tells me that Rondon and uh, Pacheco aren't available. Maybe they pitched over the weekend or something along that line. Uh, I don't know what their rotation, because they're off today. Everybody's off, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll tell you who it'll be. They'll move Jake Walsh to the 60, because Jake Walsh is going to be out for at least six weeks with elbow issues. So that's probably the move you make. You move him to the 60. Okay. So, yeah, and then I guess, what, this weekend, are we looking at a uh, a start for Libertor? Does he get called back up this weekend? Man, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but I, I just think things are in such a state of flux right now Yeah. with regard to your team and who can pitch. I mean, you know, yesterday was an ideal day to use three pitchers. Okay, you figured Jack was going to give you four or five at least, right? Then you felt like you could back him up with one of the other guys who had had some rest. And how many did they go through yesterday? Seven? Is that, did they get up to seven six? yesterday? No, they went through at least six. The only two guys that they didn't use were uh, Gallegos and uh, Helsley. It went Everybody Whitgren, yeah, Whitgren, Oviedo, Naughton, Fernandez, Thompson, and Woodford. Yeah. So they used everybody who was available to them. And 
considering the the, the load that those two and uh Gallegos and Helsley you uh use on on Saturday, you wish you could give them another day. Mm-hmm. Because it's gonna catch up to them if they don't. Yeah, it, it will catch up to them. And how they fix this is going to be very interesting because I think you, you're in a position now where you, you you're starting to max out some guys. And I always go back to the Cincinnati, I'm sorry, the San Diego Padre reference of last year and how they kind of got sideways. And the next thing you knew, they were in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they never recovered from it. And let's face it, there isn't enough pitching to go around. So you have to be very careful. You've already exhausted your minor leagues as far as what you have and what you're trying to do there. So I'm just, I'm just very concerned about the next Oh gosh, you got an off day on Thursday, but you got some real issues within your organization that you have to address. Not to mention, I mean, the teams that are about to be on that schedule, the Phillies. I know that Bryce Harper just got hurt. I, I and the, he is not where the Cardinals will not see Bryce Harper at all this season. Um, but that Phillies team could still hit. They 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 could still hit the hell out of the ball. You and then you have the Dodgers and the Braves coming up on the schedule too. That this schedule does not get any easier right now, which means wins like yesterday. You, you need to secure them. You need to lock them down. No, I agree. Uh, this is going to be some tough sledding, and you know I know people are going to question Ali Marmel here on some moves he's making, but I think you have to look at the big picture. He's working with what he has, mm. and if this doesn't sound like Mike Schilt or Mike Matheny in a similar situation. I don't know what does. I mean, it's a common thread that we see and they've got to figure out something. They've got to supply better assets. This is lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. Mike Claiborne, Joe Roderick here with you. We still have some NBA uh, to talk about. We have some Stanley Cup to, uh, to talk about and, uh, and more. So stick around and we will be right back here on Lunch with Claibs and Joe. Hi, I'm Mike Claiborne. I'm with the Gillespie team. And as you know by now, things like food, groceries, and gas are all becoming more expensive by the day. This is a way for you to find some new cash in your home, and these guys are going to help you out. You know what, Mike? Your home has never been more valuable than it is now. So take advantage of the equity with a cash-out refinance. You can even use that money to pay off credit cards, do some home renovations, or even put that money in the bank for those crazy high gas prices. Our average client receives about $54,000. How much can can you get? Find out now at jnjloans.com. Hey, I mentioned the Phillies uh, on the Cardinals schedule. They will be part of the Cardinals' next homestand on Sunday, July uh, 8th, 9th, and 10th. And on July 10th, the Cardinals will host the Phillies. And that day, 10,000 kids ages 15 and younger will take home a Yadier Molina tank top presented by Mercy. The red, white, and blue tank features the future Hall of Famer's nickname, Yadi, on the back. Get your tickets today at cardinals.com slash promotions that's cardinal.com slash promotions back with more lunch with Claves and joe in 90 seconds (music) 
The future of electric vehicles is beginning to grow across the Midwest, but there's a lot of work to be done before most people will feel comfortable switching from gas to EV. Amron, Illinois President and Chairman Richard Mart gives us some insight into how they're preparing by adding more electric vehicle charging stations. Our vision is to basically have charging stations every 60 or miles or so, you know, from Cook County all the way to the tip of the state down to the Kentucky area mm -hmm. and then across the state east and west going toward Kansas and Iowa uh, to, the, to the west and going toward Indiana uh, uh, to the east. And so uh, we, we feel that uh, within the next few years we'll probably add, probably you know, we're hoping to add 60 to, to 70 a year over the next five years to really complete that infrastructure for the entire Midwest. In fact, uh, the Midwest now has all the utilities in the Midwest are joining together to coordinate that. So, uh, which is the first time it's ever happened that you've had Wisconsin say, okay, we're going to build our charging stations here, and Illinois say, okay, well, we can tap on here in Missouri. This makes sense for us, so we can expand that north, south, east, and west by coordinating with other utilities. We're back here, lunch with Claves and Joe, Joe Roderick, Mike Claiborne, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, and also sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Claves, uh, which direction you want to go? You want to talk a little NBA offseason? You want to talk about the finals, the Stanley Cup finals from last night? Your uh, your pick. It's your Well, site. let's start with the most recent, that'd be the Stanley Cup finals. Um, I thought the Tampa could win, all right? Uh, I thought they were a better team. Uh, although Colorado proved to be a team that took advantage of some situations, you know, everybody's hurt this time of year, so you don't want to blame injury, but Colorado took advantage of, uh, odd man situations. Um, you know, the special teams were a little bit better and, you know, you tip the cap to them. I, I don't know if they're a dynasty. I know they're already been installed to be a repeat, but I don't think the people who made the wagering or set the line realize how many people Colorado's got to figure out how to sign. I mean, they're they're right up at the cap, and it's not one of those caps where you can go out and overspend immensely. So they've got some real questions to answer, and I don't know how deep they're going to be because when you start moving guys up into different roles, uh, that can be a little bit of a problem. They're a little long in the tooth on the defense, especially when you think about Jack and Eric Johnson and how long they've been in the league. Uh, so they've got some issues, and I think they'd like to be a little bit better goaltending-wise. But with that said, they were the best team in the playoffs. You tip your cap to them. Uh, next year should be interesting. Uh, July 1st is just around the corner and free agency, as we always know, is very, uh, very high profile when it comes to the National Hockey League. And this year's draft will be interesting as well. Uh, there are going to be some teams that are going to look to go for it. So they may move up and, and get picks in order to get themselves a position to make some trades. And, and again, when you look at the salary cap and its impact on this league, I think it has a greater impact on this league than maybe what we've seen in some other sports. So there are a lot of things to be paying attention to. As far as the Blues are concerned, where do they go? What do they do? I think they have to look at some players to be able to move up and assume some roles higher up on, on the top six line, the top six players. Uh, defense, yeah, they like to be a little bit bigger and maybe a little bit more rugged. Uh, I think they need to have another forward who can play a little bit more physical other than Braden Shen uh, on a regular basis. Barbashev was that guy, but once, once Barbashev started scoring goals, he wasn't in that position to do as much of that. 
So they've got some tweaking to do. I don't think they need to overhaul. The goaltending situation is one where I know that something Huso will be back. I don't know. I don't know if Charlie Lindgren's the answer. Charlie Lindgren's kind of been a journeyman goaltender. But then as you look around, Bennington was too. So I'm not sure if if they have what's there in their organization. They've got another kid that they really like, but he doesn't have a lot of National Hockey League experience. So there are some tweaking issues that need to take place compared to overhaul. Or do you go all in and make a legitimate deal for Matthew Kachuk? If you do that, that means some players on your current roster won't be here, which kind of frees up a lot of things. And is Matthew Kachuk the answer? Uh, I've seen guys come back to St. Louis and not necessarily live out the expectation, but he's a young guy. He's shown that he's a good player, uh, and I'm sure they can find a spot for him. But it's one of those deals when you make that deal, not only are you going all in and moving up and, and moving some assets on your current roster, probably your future as well, and then you have to hope that he he's able to play at a level that you expect him to. The uh, back to the Avalanche for just a second, sixteen and four this uh, this postseason. That is really really impressive. I mean, just to go back and look at what the uh, what the Blues were the year they won the uh, the Stanley Cup. They were what sixteen and ten that year. They went what two game sevens, two game sixes uh, in their in their run to the Stanley Cup. So just adding those more uh, six more games onto the onto your body uh, when it's all said and done, just a very dominant run by the avalanche. And then Stan Kroenke, once again, you see him with the, uh, the trophy at the end. This, this is a guy, you know, we were told that we won, that, that we were going to cripple him with the, uh, with the victory here in St. Louis on uh, that he had to write the check for the day before Thanksgiving. And, you know, since then he's held up uh, two championship trophies. So I, I feel like he's, uh, he's forgotten all about that. And we should too. I mean, you know, you got your money. Let's move on. I, I don't think there's anything. Did we get more our money? You. Did 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 we get? We don't okay. know where it is. Yeah, no, I I think you did because here's the deal. Um, when you get involved in a legal situation like this, you could easily you could you could have pressed this. You could have gone to court. And what happens if you lose? What happens if you win and there's an appeal that drags on forever, and then it's determined that maybe the settlement isn't whatever you thought it was going to be. And we never thought about what that number should be. I, I think we threw the word billion around, but because this is such uncharted territory, I don't think you could really risk losing everything. I mean, $790 million is a lot of money. All right. $790 million. You could do a lot of things with, uh, you know, I know we always talked about, well, we should get a team in return. We don't even have a person who can run a team. We don't even have an owner in St. Louis that has that kind of money to run a team. And we don't even have a facility. So let's get out of the football business. We we screwed this thing up twice, all right? So let's just move out of the football business. And I think that the $790 million is probably ample for what we went through. Uh, yeah, would I like to have a team? Yeah, it would. I, I, I could care less, but I could understand if you would like one. That's cool. But we didn't have the infrastructure to have a team. That's the other thing that nobody wants to talk about. You don't have an owner. You don't have a facility. And you have a league that's already, they already would have it in for you in the first place because of the angst that you created. Which, by the way, speaking of the NFL, the uh, the Daniel Snyder hearings from uh, from last week, 
and Roger Goodell, you know, speaking in front of Congress and telling them he doesn't have the power to remove him. Daniel Snyder still acting like he's done absolutely nothing wrong. And some of the stories coming out of the uh, of these congressional hearings about the type of person he is. It's just, you know, I, I don't know how it changes. I don't know what you do to change anything as far as the culture goes for these owners in the NFL it's just something that's going to be there for uh, you know and, until the next guy does something just as bad. I would agree. The, these guys police themselves, and I, I know one of the big topics of discussion is the Sean Watson situation, right? And while nobody has filed any formal charges, these are allegations uh, that he has decided to not be pressed in civil court. He's tried to pay people off. I get it. And I think that also applies to Daniel Snyder. It probably is, applies to Robert Kraft and some other owners that have had some heinous acts. Jerry Jones was involved in being alleged love child, having a love child. So the decorum and the code of conduct for the NFL players should also apply to the NFL owners. They should all have the same sort of code of conduct, and that doesn't necessarily exist because we're talking about guys with tons of money that can buy their way out of a lot of different things. Uh, it's a mess, really. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to describe it. And I don't think they have any real interest in fixing it. Roger Goodell gets paid 60 plus million dollars a year. All right. You think he's going to mess with that to, to slap an owner's wrist? And it's already in the bylaws that a commissioner can't make an owner sell his team. But it was interesting that when Jerry Richardson got in trouble, they found somebody to buy his team. They basically told him, you have to sell the team. Mm-hmm. Well, Daniel Snyder's probably got a little bit more juice within the ownership because of his money, and he decides to push back, and there's nothing the league wants to do about it. I think Daniel Snyder, Jerry Jones, there's a handful of owners, and I think this guy down in Miami is in that position too, Steve where he allegedly, yeah, he allegedly paid a, a coach or was offering to pay a coach to lose games. There are certain owners – that have that ability to push back and the league doesn't want to do anything about it. Yeah. The, uh, if you haven't read any of the stuff with the Daniel Snyder story, not only is it the, the, the sexual uh, assault allegations that are out there, but then it just goes, you know, that that's bad enough how it is, but then it's just the little petty things like pouring milk into the, uh, under the carpet of the nationals owners suite at the, uh, at the stadium at FedEx field two days, three days before a game, just so when he showed up, it would smell bad because he was upset about, what was it, a parking deal that went wrong? Mm-hmm. That he didn't get a lot that he wanted to get? It Just little just little petty stuff like that that just shows you what kind of people that you're dealing with when it comes to the owners in the NFL. Well, the stories about him are legendary, about what just a cad he is and has been. Now, I know on the other side of the coin, he has done things for people within his organization that are commendable, but there just doesn't seem to be enough of those items. Uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, the league condones it. I mean, you know, they, to allow a guy to self-investigate himself should tell you all that you need to know about this league. And while they have Deshaun Watson over their head and um, Colin Kaepernick and some other issues that are going on within this league, Man, you know, they can't find another distraction. I mean, considering the fact of how much they have over so many clouds over the league's head, not to mention an inferior brand of football to go along with it. It's just not a good environment. 
Yeah. Speaking of inferior brand of football, the USFL announced today that they're what a train wreck that is. They're going to come back in 2023. Claves, this is the first time uh, that a team that one of these teams that has popped up has actually made it to a second season. Well, the XFL is 0 for 2 in making it two years. The USFL failed a few years ago, and the XFL hasn't started up again until next year. So just the fact that the USFL has announced that they are coming back for a second season is a minor victory for <laughs> I, I just, You know what? I, I have to be honest. I have surfed as I'm surfing, sur- searching for something and happen to watch half a dozen, 10 plays. And then you look at the audience. I've seen high school games; they have more people. <laughs> and, and the audience it, is the best because their family's not even coming out to it. Why? Like the quarterback's wife is just saying, "Nah, I got I got stuff to do at home." Yeah, I got to work. I, maybe I I'll go to work. Yeah, she's somebody's got to earn for the family because they're not making enough money. I, I just think it's really a waste of time. Uh, I uh, apparently there's no other programming that these networks can find. For the weekend, um, and, and maybe we're at that point now. Maybe there isn't anything that creates enough of a draw for people to watch on the weekend. Um, you know, a, baseball is run. Like, yeah. Baseball is run its course. Uh, you know, NBA they're done. Football, uh, hockey's done. I mean, and there's only so much golf you can watch. I just don't know where they go next as far as weekend entertainment that gets them from uh, mid June to let's say mid-August. I just don't know what that is. And even when the other sports were playing, they were putting the USFL on TV and they still weren't getting a number. And and I, I don't know why anybody would want to watch. No. I mean, all those guys that are playing, if if let's say, let's say they have 300 guys in this league. Okay. Of the 300, how many of them do you think will be invited to an NFL training camp? Invited ten? to a training camp? I would yeah, say ten? more Maybe than ten? 10. Why? Just because, I mean, if you're saying invited to a training camp, you're talking about just having warm bodies out there. Yeah, but you can only have 80. And remember, you've already gone through your draft. Right. You already signed a number of free agents. There may be two roster spots for training camp available per team. Maybe. And that's not necessarily reserved for these guys. It's reserved for somebody else Undrafted who's trying guys. to, un, un, you know, trying to imp- improve, improve their training camp roster. I said training camp roster, not opening day roster. So if one of those guys breaks through and is on a practice squad. Is it worth it? Because we really only want to watch the, the, the finished product of college football and finished product of the National Football League. We don't really care about anything else. No, no, that's you're you're right. Though no, that's I still think. I mean, maybe the invite more than ten at some point, but yeah, they're not making the team. And yet you'll this get one. You get one story. You'll get one story a year of a guy who was in the XFL or the USFL that ended up mm-hmm. being on you know being on a kickoff return. In one of those games. But see, you just said something, Joe. I don't know if this league will be around that long for it to grow, to be able to be an ample supply of talent to the NFL. And well, I, I think the XFL is partnering with the NFL to kind of be their minor league team. So, I mean, that's are they going to have enough players? Is the USFL going to have enough players 
to to field a league next year. Like they can announce that here in June, mm-hmm. but in March, are they gonna? What are they gonna have to play with in March? See, I, I just I'm I'm not excited about this. And you know what? We probably wasted too much time talking about it anyway. <laughs> Well, we do have to uh, take another break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up with some NBA. And you know what? There was a college football story out this weekend that I meant to get to earlier as well, so we will talk about that as we roll on here on Lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com. On Sunday, July 10th, Cardinals can cheer on Yachty in style. And Molina hits it down the left field line. It's hooking in. It is gone. How about Yachty? What a start. Keep on doing it, Yachty. That day, 10,000 kids ages 15 and younger entering with a ticket will go home with a Yachty Cardinals tank top. Start your summer off right and stay cool with this one-of-a-kind stadium giveaway presented by Mercy. For tickets and more information, go to cardinals.com slash promotions. It's lunch with Claves and Joe, one of our sponsors here, Pawfect K9. Claves, you have uh, they have worked with both of your dogs, and I know you have nothing but uh, wonderful things to say about that. I'm glad you brought them up because I'm going over there tomorrow, do a little refresher with one of my dogs, and they've got some new programs that I'll be able to talk a great deal about after tomorrow. Uh, I can't speak enough about how much they've done for my dogs who have – I've got one that has some behavioral issues from time to time. And that the one that almost bit me? Yeah, and a, and a half yeah. a dozen other people. But anyway, <laughs> uh, she really means she's just playful and protective. But anyway, the, the point being, their resume, when it comes to training dogs, not just for your domestic pet, but they work with police departments, they work with the military, they work with a lot of different people when it comes to training dogs. And it doesn't make a difference what breed it is. If it's one of the more aggressive breeds, they know how to handle that. If you just want to have a dog for the house for your kids or family pet, they can break those dogs in and make sure that they give you all the love and attention that you need. And I, I just can't speak enough about them. And I have and next week when we do this, we'll have a lot more to talk about, about some new programs and some things that they have going. But if you're not sure and you've been thinking about this, this is a great time to do it, especially while the kids are out of school and they can learn to develop a pet as well. Give them a call or check them out online. Uh, we'll throw their logo up there so you can check them out and give them a call and they can come to you. That's the neat thing about it. They can come to you and give you the experience and the understanding and answer all your questions to make sure your dog is on the right track and you can enjoy that dog for a long, long time. That's Pawfick K9 and we'll be back in 30 seconds. Hi, I'm Mike Claiborne, and I'm with the Gillespie's, and I have to ask you a question. Is it true that you need a big down payment to buy a house these days? No, Mike, that is not true. I've closed several clients with zero money down. Seriously, zero dollars down. And as a bonus, we'll give you a $500 gift card when you mention Mike Claiborne. Only at jnjloans.com. Claves, I wanted to uh, continue on with some of the football talk before we get uh, into more NBA news and notes. But this past weekend, Arch Manning announced that he is going to uh, join the Texas Longhorns after his senior year 
uh, of football in high school. So uh, I, I guess technically what uh, Texas is about to enter the SEC. So yeah, it is uh, it is still an SEC school. So he's staying keeping it, that part of it in the uh, in the Manning family. It's interesting that his uh, his grandfather and his uncle went to Ole Miss. His other uncle went to UT. And now he's going to Texas. All schools that obviously will be in the SEC. And it, I, I think it also says a lot about what we don't know about recruiting. You know, I'm sure you heard, well, he's going to go here because of such and such. He's going to go there. And I, I, I got to be honest with you. I think there's some people who are a little surprised that he ended up at Texas. Uh, Sarkeesian is uh, trying to turn that program around, much like everybody else has over the last 20 years. And what, when it comes down to it, many think because of the relationship he developed with Arch and his family when he was an assistant at Alabama was the reason why he was able to bring this young man in. Uh, Texas has a lot of assets, started with money. Uh, it's my understanding that the NIL was not the major factor. But there are some other things that I think that they have to do in order to make this work. And it always starts up front with a good offensive line. I know they recruited hard and they've gotten some players to come in there and do a nice job and some guys with some real potential. Uh, it will be certainly interesting to watch. It, it really is going to be great for the SEC because now that's another TV market that the networks are going to be trying to cover and get that kid on national TV. Uh, so it's good for the league. Um, you know, he'll only be there a couple of years until he can get out of there. And once he does, you know, maybe he'll leave with some records and maybe he'll leave with success. But I will remind everybody, this is the SEC. And there's a whole lot of good teams, a whole lot of good coaches. When you think of Saban, you think of Jimbo Fisher, you think of, you know, Brian Kelly did a really nice job at Notre Dame. I don't know if it's going to work for him at, at, uh, at LSU. Uh, and then you look at what Sarkeesian has been able to amass at, at Texas. Those are just four names I just rolled off the top of my head. You think about some other schools in that conference, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough every Saturday. Every Saturday. So uh, we'll see where it goes. And, you know, let's throw in Eli Drinkwitz and what he's been able to do. Obviously, he's got some work to do, and I think he's got to turn some things around. I saw him the other day. He feels good about their direction, but he understands like everybody else. Man, you got to start winning some games. Yeah, and there's, you know, the NIL, that doesn't probably matter to a kid like Arch Manning. No, the family, The family has money everywhere at Cooper, even though Cooper was never an NFL star, like his two brothers, he's done pretty well in the media. Uh, the guy has a likable personality, just like both of his brothers. And he gets jobs doing stuff for, for different networks. So money isn't a driving factor there. They went somewhere where there would be exposure where he, you know, continue to carry on the Manning name. And I guess what, after, I guess once the 2023 season starts, Three years in, he can go somewhere and he can maybe get drafted uh, number one overall, just like uh, just like his two uncles. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of options. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's going to go back into the portal. You know, I think I've talked to you about this before. I told Eli Drinkwitz, you got two years to get this figured out with uh, with uh, Luther Burden the third, because after year two, if he doesn't like what he sees, he's going to go somewhere for year three, like in Alabama. Maybe it's a Texas somewhere. They've got a really solid program. And then he's gone after year three. We saw mm -hmm. it with Jamison Williams. So, you know, you really have a two year process in order to show legitimate improvement for a guy to stay for year three. Yeah, I saw a stat over the weekend and I'm trying to dig it up quickly. 
right now, but I, it had to do with the portal and just how many guys entered the portal last year in, in college sports that still don't have a home, that still don't have a team. Yeah, here it is, the transfer portal update. As of, um, so last year you had 1,626 players enter the portal, 826 still don't have a team. Wow. 50% of kids that entered the portal don't have anywhere to go. 56, That's an amazing 50, stat. Yeah. 53% of them are freshmen, 49% sophomores, 48% juniors. So really, if you are a Division II team, you got to start knocking on some doors. Yeah. You know, and, and if you are a bottom feeder in one of these other conferences, or maybe you're not one of the power five conferences, you probably ought to be knocking on some doors, assuring this person that he's going to have a chance to play. But now that you've gone through your spring ball, everybody's off. Do you have a scholarship? Mm-hmm. You have a scholarship for this kid. You know, the portal, you know, it's a, that's an incredible stat you roll out, Joe, that I don't think most families and parents have understood let alone universities and why universities aren't aren't banging the drum more on this i have no idea i know i will be i think once you roll that number out the half the guys are still sitting at home with nowhere to go that's that's an eye opener and i'd be amazed to know what that is in basketball right yeah that's all sports that's just oh, all, all sports NCAA, okay. yeah that's all ncaa so sports, you, right? do they have a breakdown in regard to the what sports that are available because this, this, i'll give you a good example like christian little maybe one of the best baseball pe- players pitchers to ever come out of St. Louis is in the portal. He's leaving Vanderbilt. Yeah. I mean, so th- th- and there are different reasons on why kids go. Okay. Playing time, not getting along with the coach, you know, bringing in other guys, you know, not like homesick, you name it. But that is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. It made, a lot. As I'm looking through. So the guy that it was uh, the guy that tweeted this out, um, it's at, from the Twitter account at high major scoop. Um, it's a, uh, national scouting director. It looks like very heavy in basketball, uh, right now. I'll send it to you Claves, when we're, uh, when we're done here to, uh, to look at and see the, uh, see the numbers that were tweeted out over the weekend. Just so many, I mean, that's just so many players though. That's so many college athletes that don't have anywhere to go regardless of whatever sport it is, but it says here, just transfer portal updates. So I don't know if that's basketball, football, all sports uh, on that, uh, on that list. Speaking of basketball claves and wanting to change teams, Kyrie Irving, he has quote, great interest claves in joining your Lakers next year as a sign and trade. The Nets are allowing him to, uh, to seek out options for a sign and trade. Do your Lakers want? Here's what I'm going to say to that. If they acquire Kyrie Irving, I will relinquish my loyalty card to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'll find another team. Wow. That's that's how serious I am. I don't want anything. I want that guy near anybody. I will relinquish my Laker loyalty card if they go out and get Kyrie Irving. Wow. And I've gone through a lot over the last few years with this team. And you got to remember, for, they just people, won a championship here, a few go, years ago. Let me go, back. go through a lot with no, them. No, I'm going to tell you something. I go back to before you were born to follow this team. I can tell you who the center was before Wilt Chamberlain got there. All right? That's how far back I go. 
and I follow the good teams and the bad teams. And I've accepted sometimes they weren't as good as they need to be. And I've certainly relished in their glory. But we've turned this thing into a circus now that's unfit for for me to follow because I don't believe in the values that they now have as far as who they want to bring in, who, who they think can help them win. So if it comes down to Kyrie, you get Kyrie, you lost me. I'll find another team. All right. We'll see how that I'll goes. I'll find another team. Yeah. All right. But, you know, here, here's the thing. The guy's missed more games than he's played in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. So why do you think he can help you? And that wasn't even because of injuries. I mean, that was stubbornness. This is because of being an idiot. Yeah. This is a guy who thinks the world is flat. All right. Yes. So I got no use for him. I have no reason for him to be a Laker. All he would do is create more strife and discontent. And I think he's a bad example for what this league is all about. Mm -hmm. So while he may want to up the ante and get people to feel that teens have a great interest in him, I would hope the genie bus uh, would, would put her foot down and just say, no, this can't work. It can't, it can't happen. Yeah, I would, uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to hold you to that. We'll, uh, we'll see here. I will burn my Laker awesome. loyalty card. <laughs> hey, uh, I will, you, I will deactivate it. Let's put it that way. Did you watch any, I mean, do at this point with college basketball, not having the star power that it's had in the, in years past, did the draft mean anything to you? Yeah, I watch it. I watch it. Uh, you know, the draft, like most drafts, remind us how little we know as far as fans. And I was having this conversation with my good friend, Frank Cusimano, who was astonished that E.J. Liddell was taken so late. We have to get out of this vacuum of thinking all of our American players are the best players in the world because the NBA now goes – they've been – they're a global sport. They've been going to Europe. They're about to go to Africa. They've gone to China. And now they have the G League that is developing players that were drafted in the first round. There are multiple resources for teams to draft from now. And as good as EJ Liddell might have been in the Big Ten, it didn't mean as much because this is a global sport. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been taken earlier because there were some names that were called that I'm sure most people who follow the game didn't know who they were. There were some names that were called some people who have some filling out to do. There were some names that were called that need some legitimate development. But for I mean, some reason, teams are enamored with these players and they give them a chance. And sometimes it works. Most times it doesn't. Look at a guy like Kofi Coburn of the. Uh, didn't even of, get drafted. The, didn't even get. Could you imagine? Just go back, what, 15 years ago? If there was a guy on a top 10 team who was seven feet tall and 295 pounds. That man doesn't make it out of the top 10. I agree. They they figure they can coach him up. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. You can't teach size like that. Well, and now, it, now, I mean, now it's okay. I mean, now he's got to find, he's got to fight for a roster spot on a G League team. Yeah. Well, he can make that team as a backup because uh, their center is a pretty good player, but that means he may not play a lot. But, you know, I, I'll tell you when I think it, it really was an eye opener. When Taco Fall, who is what seven foot six or seven foot seven? Yeah. I think the tallest man to ever play in the league. And he's sitting at the end of Boston's bench and couldn't keep a steady job. I mean, back like you're right, back in the day, they would have taken that guy and said, We'll figure out what to do with him. We, we will coach him up. But now mm-hmm. it's like, man, we're moving on. The big man doesn't have the impact that it used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking for a rim protector more than you are a score up front. And 
it's just a trend that the game is going through right now. Hopefully they'll change that around because I think you do need more size in the game. But, you know, you have better athletes. You have better guys who run the floor. And that's what it is. Yeah, it's the athletes there because I, Joel Embiid was an MVP finalist this past year. And I mean, he's he's a big guy. Yeah, he's learned to shoot the ball a little bit the last few years, but he's a big rim protect, protector, defensive guy that you have in the middle. You, you know, you draft a big guy and try to turn him into the next Joel Embiid. Yeah, you know, and, and the Joker was a big man, but he was more versatile. He ran mm. the floor. I mean, he didn't look like the, the physical specimen people have been accustomed to seeing. You got the job done, and, yeah. and that's all that really counts. Claves, as we wrap this up, you will be down at Bush Stadium the uh, the next three days as the Miami Marlins are in town. They do have an exciting team, Jazz Chisholm. He's uh, he's going to be an all star, and he's putting up some uh, really impressive numbers this uh, this season. So he's a uh, he's a guy that you'll get to see all three days. That fans, uh, you know what, fans should enjoy getting to watch a player like that. Well, he he brings a lot of energy to the game. I think he's still a little raw, but he uh, will certainly, as you mentioned, he'll compete for an all-star position soon. Uh, but they've got some other good young players, and and it looks like Kim Ng, who's a general manager, uh, she's decided, along with ownership, that maybe they're going to commit to some of these younger players. You know, I, I thought Brian Anderson was the next guy that was going to be moving with regard to their organization, but then he ran across some injuries. And he hasn't been the player that we thought he was going to be, but they still have some other players that I think can make them a very interesting team down the stretch. I personally thought that they were a team that could vie for a playoff spot in their division. Uh, they were in a tough division because I didn't think Washington was going to be very good. Uh, and they're not, they're not Philadelphia could hit, but they couldn't catch and they didn't have enough pitching in my opinion. And I really thought it would be them and the Mets in Atlanta that would be vying for a spot. Well, Atlanta got off to a rough start. The Mets got out to a better start than I think people anticipated. They're pitching, and they, they're winning without DeGrom and Scherzer. So, mm -hmm. you know, they can only get better. And and Miami just kind of kind of leveled off. I think if you put Miami in this division, they might win it. Oh, yeah. Uh, they – uh, they got top, you know, top pitchers too on this uh, on this team. We were so close to getting Alcantara versus Michaelis on uh, on Wednesday. That would have been a uh, that would have been a really fun game of really been fun a quick pitching. Game, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, but no, the uh, the Marlins will miss Miles Michaelis. But tonight, Adam Wainwright will be on the uh, on the mound. Anything planned for a pre pregame this week? Uh, we'll talk to somebody from the Marlins today, and then we'll play it out the next couple of days. Uh, maybe talk with Yvonne Herrera and uh, get his thoughts. I predicted yesterday he'd have two. I heard hits, that two minutes. I was, I was, him. yeah, I was listening to you and Ricky, um, and I, I heard your prediction of that, and I heard him get the first one, but uh, he wasn't able to pick up that second one. Yeah, he got him. a second hit. Did he get a second hit? Yeah, he got two hits. Okay, yeah, I, I he got one late. I didn't think that. Okay, that's. I, I remember he I'm, got the base hit, and then they pinch ran for him. That's okay. I thought that was a, for some reason, I thought that was a fielder's choice late in the game. No, he laced one in the right field. Okay. I know he got the RBI in the, uh, in that, in the third inning of the game yesterday. So you got that. Yeah. It's a good, nice prediction. On, yeah. Well, uh, I would have rather predicted end. the winning lottery numbers this weekend, I'm but sure I didn't get that. But all know, right. I'll, I'll work at it. We will, uh, we will hear from you on KMOX later on tonight. Cardinals and Marlins, a 6.45 start time for, uh, for that one down in St. Louis. This has been another edition of Lunch with Klaibs and Joe 
here on ClavesOnline.com, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, and sponsored by the Home Loan Expert.com. Plenty of coverage still to come uh, this week right here. Uh, all kinds of content on Claves Online all week long. And the Joe West Podcast, 5460, and Myers Drysdale. The uh, the guest is uh, for this week. A lot of great stories for one of the greatest female athletes of all time on today's show. So go check that out. 5460, the Joe West Podcast. For Mike Claiborne, I am Joe Roderick. Talk to you soon. St. Louis Acura has almost 200 pre-owned vehicles in stock with inventory arriving daily and can offer the best trade-in value. While others raise their prices and fees, we choose to earn your repeat and referral business by not taking advantage of the current market situation. We invest in our team, becoming one of St. Louis's top places to work and fastest growing companies. St. Louis Acura remains committed to becoming better than ever for you. Located at Manchester and Mason Roads.